You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. As a matter of fact, here's the passage of Scripture that is kind of the keystone Scripture on this verse that the, or this word that the Lord has given us. Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. The person who trusts in the Lord, the person who gets into God's word and meditates on it day and night. Let's all read this together. Ready? Begin. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There's a promise from God that when we look to him, when we trust him, when we're meditating on his word day and night, this is how our life can be, like a fruitful tree. Well, what we did was this, this complement of this new series is we want to be a tree that is unshaken unmoved. And God's desire is that you're not just surviving in this life, but that you're thriving, that you're growing. Even during shaky, chaotic, crazy, pull out your hair kind of things. Anybody notice my hair's getting kind of long this week? Did y'all notice this? I know I'm looking like a hippie right now. Um, I didn't shave my head like I normally do this week because last week I gashed my head open if you were here and you remember I was afraid blood was going to start dripping down during the message. Uh, But my wife said, don't shave it, just leave it as is. So I'm going all natural tonight. (laughs) See, my hair's flowing. Um, I wanted to try to grow it out like Justin's hair, but how many of you guys saw Justin shaved shaved his head? All those beautiful hairs, oh God. Jealous of him, man. I got hair envy. This message, this series that we're in is from God's word and it is so critically important because we live in shaky times. We live in uncertain times. And living in Southern California, we understand what it means to be shaken up, don't we? Literally what it means to be shaken up. I mean, I don't just mean metaphorically, but literally. How many guys have lived through an earthquake? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, most of us have lived through an earthquake in here. Who has lived here long enough to go through two earthquakes? Raise your hand. Who's lived here long enough to go through three earthquakes? All right, four earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you know. You live here long enough, you've been through a few of those. I I remember one. It was back in the early 90s. Um, And uh, I I was living up in the high desert up in Hesperia, and my wife and I, we had, just, we had just gotten married a couple of years, and we actually had, we were in between houses, uh, we were moving from an apartment into a house, so we decided we were going to stay with her, with my in-laws, uh, while the house was being ready, uh, prepared. So we're living there, and uh, we're literally in the room across from their bedroom, and uh, we're living there, we're, you know, we're enjoying things. Well, <clears throat> a friend of mine from San Diego started dating one of our friends that lived in the high desert. And so he said, hey, could I come stay with you, Kelly, so I could go visit my, you know, Julie. And I said, sure, come on up and stay with us. So my wife, Leah, said, okay, I'll go stay with Julie, and Dennis can stay with you, Kelly, and then they can go visit each other, because, you know, it would be inappropriate for him to stay with her, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, so he's staying with me. So it's a Friday night, He drives up from San Diego. He gets in like, I don't know, midnight or something like that. My in-laws are fast asleep. I greet him. I said, hey, how you doing? We talked for a little while. I said, dude, I'm tired. Let's just go crash. Uh, Matter of fact, we'll just share my room and, uh, you know, we'll go to bed. Like three o'clock in the morning, the whole place starts shaking. 
And this was like probably 1990, 1990 or 1991, whatever the big one was. Okay, 94. Okay, okay, you, you guys remember. Okay, so I mean, it starts shaking and I'm like, what the heck's going on? Dennis, are you moving the bed? What's happening? And then we're just, I mean, we're, we jump out of bed. We go running out of the bedroom. We run out into the backyard. My in-law's pool looks like it's just sloshing. I mean, literally all over the place. And oh man, our hearts are racing. We see things fall off and we're freaking out because we're in this earthquake. I literally saw the ground kind of roll like this. It was, it was a crazy earthquake. Well, after our hearts started to subside, you know, kind of calm down and everything. I looked over at my buddy Dennis and he's standing there in these little Speedo underwear. (laughs) And they were underwear. They weren't Speedo bathing suit or anything. And I looked down at myself and I'm in my underwear and my in-laws had never met Dennis. (laughs) And I look at him and he looks at me and we look at each other and he goes, he sticks out his hand to my in-laws and says, hi, I'm Dennis. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Earthquakes, you know, they do all sorts of things, don't they? You know, when our lives get shaken up, it can be scary. It can be embarrassing, can't it? Literally shaken up can cause embarrassment and scariness. But also when your life is shaken up because of divorce, if your life is shaken up because, well, your kids do something that's rather embarrassing for your entire family, they blow it. They make a decision or a choice that affects everybody in the family. These kinds of shakings can cause us to get scared and embarrassed. What do you do when your world is shaken up? What do you do? How can you live above the chaos? Well, that's what God is speaking to us right now through this teaching. And to help answer those questions, we're examining the life of Daniel. And if you're a note taker, you might want to write that on the top. Daniel. It's a guy who lived about 2,600 years ago. His story is found in the second half of the Old Testament, just past Proverbs and Psalms, in what we call the prophetic books. Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. He writes his story about 2,600 years ago. Last week, I gave you the intro about why his life matters and why we're studying his life and how we can learn from him and from his experience and learn how to live above the chaos the way he did. Really quick summary, since I saw so many hands of people that weren't here. Daniel was 15 years old when he watched his nation destroyed and invaded by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He was taken as a prisoner of war along with about 25% of the population He would never see his parents again, never see his family again, never see his homeland of Israel ever again. And he'd spend the rest of his life living as a foreigner in a hostile culture, an anti-God culture, a culture that was truly pressing against God's ways. Yet, Daniel thrived. He thrived beyond just surviving, and he was unshaken, lived to be 85 years old, which back then that was old, when the average lifespan was around 40 years old. He lived double that. He was blessed and highly favored. As we look at Daniel and what he faced, we're going to see similarities to what we face today in our world. 
And I want to start with this to help us understand this. I don't have the phrase yet to put up on the screen, but you may want to write this down. Don't be surprised when adversity comes. Don't be surprised when adversity comes. Because it does. Although the collapse of the nation of Israel was a shock, it wasn't a surprise. Because from the time Daniel was a young teenager, there had been prophets, Jeremiah and Zephaniah. They had warned that this was coming. That if we didn't turn to God, if we didn't turn from our own idol worship, our own immorality, our own injustice, if we didn't turn from that and turn to God, God would allow us to be shaken. And it happened. 2,600 years ago, it did. Listen, don't be surprised when adversity comes. It's not if, it's when. It's when. Because not only is there a shaking that happens when we don't follow along God's ways, check it out. We live in a broken planet. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen place. And you gotta realize, this ain't heaven. So because we live in a broken place, a broken world, eventually we're gonna face trouble, right? It's like my Jeep. I have a 1998 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Over 20 years old. It makes all sorts of weird sounds. When I'm driving down the road, it sounds like there's a bird inside the engine. Put on the brakes and it sounds like somebody's grinding my rear end. All sorts of things. I won't be surprised when I walk out and try to start it one day and it doesn't start. Oh yeah, will it be inconvenient? Yeah, but I won't be surprised. She's old, she's a little funky, and she kind of breaks. We live in a broken planet, so you can't be surprised when we face adversity. Listen to the words of Jesus, would you? He even said this. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, take a look. He says these words. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. All right, he starts by saying, Now, I'm telling you something so you can have peace in me. In the world, you will have tribulation. Another word for tribulation is troubles, problems. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you're going to face troubles. Listen how the Message Bible paraphrases it. This is a paraphrase, but I like the paraphrasing because it really fits says, in this world, Jesus says, you will experience difficulties. I like that emphasis there. You will experience difficulties, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I have told you this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable at deeply at peace. So that you'll be unshakable. See, Jesus warned us so we wouldn't cave in, so we wouldn't fall apart, so that we could have hope. Jesus says, you're going to have troubles, but take heart. I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be what? Be what? Unshakable. See, God knows we're going to go through troubles, but he wants you to be strong. He wants you to be unshaken and unmoved. So as we look at Daniel's life, we're going to see an individual that was unshaken. Now, let me show you very practically uh, the sources of shaking. I want to get real practical today. 
One of the first sources of shaking, take a look on the screen here, is this. Uh, One of the first sources of shaking is our old nature, our old ways, our own self. We can cause a lot of our own problems, can't we, people, if you be honest? We make dumb decisions. We make dumb choices. Our old habits, our old behaviors, our old attitudes rise up, and we go, who was that? I didn't mean to say that. I mean, I counsel a lot of married couples and sometimes they come in after having a big old fight and I hear him say or her say, I didn't really mean that when I said that. I don't know why I said that. See, our old attitudes, our old behaviors can shake things up. I am my own biggest problem. The Apostle Paul, Romans chapter seven, write that down. I'm not gonna quote it right now. But Romans chapter seven, the Apostle Paul talks about that at length. He says, man, I do what I don't wanna do and I don't wanna do what I do wanna do. I'm a big (laughs) doo-doo. Doing what I don't wanna do, not doing what I wanna do, when I wanna do it. Apostle Paul says in verse 15, he says this. I think I've got this. Yeah, yeah. Verse 15, I don't really understand myself. This is the great apostle Paul. Most of the New Testament is written by him. He says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He's saying, I bring trouble on myself. You're in good company. Your old ways, your old habits, your old things can shake up your world. Here's the second thing, the source of shaking the world, the world, society, pressures, culture that is constantly pressing on us. Society wants to pull you down to its level. Society and culture is constantly saying, no, 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 you compromise your beliefs. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about it. It's constantly pulling down. And because we have a desire for approval, we compromise. And we say, okay, I'll I'll go ahead and look a little bit more like them because I want to be accepted. Have you ever watched kids go from junior high all the way to their senior in high school? Man, they change their hair. They change their clothes styles, their shoe styles. Why? Because they want to fit in. They want to be accepted. They want to be cool. Well, guess what? When we're adults, we don't change. We still want to be accepted. We still want to fit in. We still want to be liked. And at times we compromise and we take on and look more like society than we do like Jesus. So the world can cause a shaking in our life. Third one, we got to acknowledge Satan. A true, real force, evil, incarnate, and there's an evil influence that the Bible says he's looking to steal, kill, and destroy Literally from the moment you open your eyes in the morning, he's got his targets on you. He does not want you to be who God created you to be. He wants to discourage you, depress you, and speak lies to you. And so you got to counter that with what God says about you. 
Matter of fact, next Saturday night, going to be a great message on our identity. And uh, we're going to give you uh, these bookmarks that talk about what the Bible says about you. So that as you're battling in your mind these thoughts that, oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I'm, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm worthless. We want you to have these bookmarks that say, no, I am a child of the living God. I am bought with a price. I am valued. So we're going to give those bookmarks out to you next Saturday night. So come back and check that out. But here's a fourth one that might surprise you that shakes things up, and that is God. Yeah. God will shake us up. And if he doesn't shake us up, some of these other sources will shake us up. And you know what God does? He says, I'll go ahead and use that. I'll work through that. Regardless of the source of your shaking, God says, I can use it for good. One of my favorite verses, and I don't think I have it up here, Yes, I do. There it is. I'm good. I have all my verses tonight. I'm excited. This is one of my absolute favorite verses because it tells me no matter what shaking is going on, God can use it for my good. Look what it says. It says, and we know that God causes everything. How many things? Everything. Some things? Everything says that, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. So if you love God and you are called according to his purposes, God's going to work it out for your good. Oh, but Kelly, how can that work? Because he's God. He's smarter than the devil. He's smarter than your old nature and your old ways and your old attitudes. He's smarter than the world's society. He knows how to take those things that are shaking your life and turn it around and see you grow. So that should be an encouragement to you. If you're going through a shaking, I'm going to give you three ways that you can respond to the shaking rather than going, oh God. You could say, oh God. Oh God. Number one, take a look at this. God can use the shaking to correct me. And I use the word can because our response really determines if it will correct me or not. See, I could say God will use the shaking to correct me, but your response determines if you truly will be corrected. See, this happened to Daniel. This happened to the nation of Israel. Remember? The nation of Israel... 2,600 years ago, had been doing idol worship. And take a look at what happened in Daniel chapter one. Go ahead and bring that. Do we have that scripture? Nope, back it up. See, I, I was all proud. I spoke too soon. Let me read it to you. Daniel chapter one, verse two. Take a look. It says, the Lord gave him, that is Nebuchadnezzar, victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. We talked about that last week. God permitted Nebuchadnezzar to come and invade Jerusalem and shake things up. God allowed it to happen. Why? Because Israel was worshiping idols. They were immoral. They were unjust. They had fallen deeply into this. You know what God says? I'm going to cure you of your addiction. I'm going to send you to rehab in Babylon. And that's what God did. They were exiled to Babylon. 70 years of rehab. But check this out. Historically, when Israel returned back to their land, 
70 years later, from that point forward, idol worship never was an issue again. Oh yeah, they had some immorality. Oh yeah, they still had some injustice they had to deal with, but that idol worship was cured. See, God can allow shaking to correct us. See, God's a loving, heavenly father. And we all know if you're a parent, if you let your kids just run crazy and you never correct them, it says you don't love them. Because if you just let them go do whatever, they're gonna get killed. They're gonna develop habits and behaviors and patterns that are detrimental, that are destructive to themselves. So as a parent, what do you do? You correct, you discipline, you shape, right? Well, God's a a loving heavenly father that does just that. Now let's take a look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verses eight and 11. Look what he says. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate, that you're not really his children at all. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable. I think we'd all agree with that. While it is happening, it's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in his ways. Did you benefit as a child from good discipline? I'm not talking about abuse, but I'm talking about good discipline. I remember very clearly as a kid, my dad, oh, he planted trees. He planted, I don't know, 200 plants in our front yard. And instead of putting in a drip system or a sprinkler system, he said, Kelly, I want you out there three times a week watering all those plants. All those plants? All those plants. He disciplined me. He didn't punish me. He wasn't abusing me. He was teaching me how to have a work ethic. And it probably helped keep me from getting involved into some other mischief because I knew I had the responsibility to water 200 plants every other day. Now he gave me a a little allowance to say thank you for being a part of this family. But interesting thing, when I got married and moved on and, and all that kind of stuff, I came back and visited my dad six months after I left. There's a brand new sprinkler system to all those plants out there. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure that. The Kelly system moved on. It's discipline. Taught me a work ethic. Taught me how to, it disciplined me. You know, discipline, correction, taught you how to read. It did. Taught you how to write. How to bathe. Thank God. How to eat. How to be kind. And if your parents don't correct children, then you really don't love them. Now, correction is hard. It's hard for the parents and for the kids. Those of you who are parents, you understand what I'm talking about. It can be hard to discipline, but you do it out of love. So here's the question to ask. Take a look. God can use shaking to correct me. I want you to ask this question and write it down. What is this problem that I'm going through going to teach me? What is this problem going to teach me? Instead of going, why God? Maybe your response could be, okay, what God can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? What should I learn? Because God can use problems to correct you. Okay, sometimes God shakes things up in our life to correct me. And other times God shakes things up in my life, secondly, to direct me, to direct me, to direct my path, direct my course, because I can get off course really easy. 
I can get off of God's plan really simply. A little left, a little more left, a little more left, and I can be doing my own thing and not even know it. See, we come up with all of our own plans in our heart, right? Oh, I've got my one-year plan, my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, and this is what I'm going to do. And we make all these plans in our heart. But you know what? God's saying, my ways are the best ways. Submit your plans to me and allow me to direct your steps. Listen to what it says in the book of Proverbs. Take a look. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. The Lord directs his steps. You can have all your plans, but God is the one. If you want to walk in his ways, he'll direct your step. He'll, he'll correct your foot, your footing, and say, Bunk, no, go this way. Bunk, go this way with your plans. And how does God do that? How does he direct your steps? Really simple. Problems, challenges, shaking. It's kind of like uh, driving down the 57 here. You punch into ways, you, which direction you want to go, you want to head home, and, and you're headed down Lambert, or you're headed down Imperial, you're making your way to the 57 freeway, and suddenly you hear ways say, rerouting. New path. What does Waze say? Rerouting, new path, adjustment. What is it? Shorter way, whatever. She says, she speaks up and says, new way. Why? Because there was an accident. There was a traffic jam. There was construction on the road. Some problem happened, and now you have to be rerouted. Well, that's how God works with us. He takes these problems, and we've made our plans. We've set cruise control on our life, and we say, God, this is the way I'm going to live. And God says, yeah, I don't know about that. That's leading you someplace you really shouldn't be going. And now we run into a challenge, go, oh, no. And God's like, that's okay. Let me reroute you. Let me direct you into a better way. God can use life's problems to get our attention and to get us on his path. It forces you to think about stuff that you'd rather ignore and pretend that isn't there. David, we see in the, in, in, in the Old Testament, David had gotten himself into some trouble. When he was a king and he was supposed to be at war, he stayed back at home. And when he was staying back at home one evening, he's sitting out and he's just being a king when he should have been at war and he's looking out over his kingdom and he sees a gorgeous lady bathing. Her name's Bathsheba and he goes, whew, I want her. Got himself into some trouble. Got her and got her pregnant. Ended up finding out she was pregnant and says, well, hold on here. Um, where's her husband? Oh, her husband's out at war. Bring him back. Here, buddy, why don't you go spend some time with your wife? He's trying to cover up his tracks. He said, no way, I can't do that. All my brothers are out in the field. I cannot lay with my wife right now. That wouldn't be fair to them. That made David mad. Shoot. So David sends him back to war, contacts the general, says, hey, when the fighting gets really bad, put Uriah right at the front. Basically, David murdered Uriah. Murder adultery. David thought he was clean. And he was scot-free. He was hiding. He was pushing all that stuff back. He was on cruise control. And God began to shake things up. And a prophet by the name of Nathan rises up and begins to call his stuff out. Put it right in front of David's face. 
And David's life began to fall apart. David's world began to shake up. And God allowed his world to get shaken so that David could get on the right path, so that David could confess and say, God, I have sinned, forgive me. He probably didn't even think about it until the problems began to arise. He says, I'm gonna redirect my life. And this is what he says in Psalm 119, verse 59. He says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. He said, I begin to think about my life. I begin to think about the stuff I'm going through, the problems, and now I'm turning to follow you, Lord. God got his attention. Let me ask you tonight as we begin to wrap up and get to our last point. What problems in your life are you pretending are a problem? What's the big elephant in your life, in your marriage, that you're ignoring, in your relationship, that you're saying, oh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Really won't change. Things won't change until we acknowledge that there's a problem. See, we tend to postpone the difficult decisions and we put it off. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, where is this problem leading me? Where is this problem leading me? God can cause shaking to correct me. So what's it teaching me? God can use shaking to direct me. So where is this problem leading me? And thirdly, take a look at this. God can use shaking to perfect me, to shape me and form me into the person he's created me to be. Take a look at what it says in James chapter one, verses two through four. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endur- my, my daughter hates this one, your endurance has a chance to grow. Endurance. She just finished her her year at USC as an engineering major. That's why I say endurance. She's like endurance, engineering. You got to endure. Consider it joy, verse four. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. Nothing. God will allow this shaking to help perfect us, to help shape us, to build character. There's a show I like to watch on the History Channel. It's called Forged in Fire. Anybody heard of it? Oh, it's one of my favorite. Yeah, some of the guys. Yeah, right. Forged in Fire, one of my favorite shows to watch. It's a, it's a competition. It's one of those reality shows, competition, where men and women uh, gather together, usually four of them, and they come together, and they're, they're there to forge a sword or a blade of some sort in a historical way. And, and, and what I've learned a lot by watching the show, man, they, the way they shape this metal is they melt it down and they put it into the forge and then they begin to shape it and pound on it and hit on it, shaping it into, I think, oftentimes a work of art, a beautiful work of art. But one of the things that I learned is the process of strengthening the metal is called tempering. You guys know how that works? You know what they do? They heat the metal till it's glowing, almost to the point of melting. And then they pull it out. And then at just the right time, they plunge it into oil or some liquid to help cool it down quickly. 
And that strengthens the metal. It tempers the metal so that it can cut or so that it can hammer. Well, that's how it is in our own lives. Our character is shaped and strengthened when we go through the shaking. And it's gotta be hard for God, but he's a loving father that says, I know you can do this. I know if you will endure, you will be stronger on the other side. And sometimes you probably cry out to God and say, but it's so hot. I don't think I can handle this anymore, God. And God knows just how much you need before you're gonna break. And he'll pull you out and bring the Holy Spirit in there to cool you down and to strengthen you. See, God will use the shakings that go on in our life to perfect us. And we can grow through the shaking. You can do it. You can grow through the shaking and God can use it to strengthen your character, your resolve, your faith, your patience. I remember as a, as a young man, I'd get frustrated about something and my dad would say, just pray for patience. And then he'd stop and say, wait a minute, you may not want to pray for patience. I said, what do you mean, dad? He goes, well, you pray for patience. It may get harder because God will give you a reason to be patient because patience only comes when you have to be patient. Isn't that right? So the final question we ask is this. God can use shaking to perfect me. Ask this question, how is this problem growing me? How can I grow through this problem? Zach or Christine or somebody jump up here, would you pray, please? I need a little soundtrack to wrap up our time. I went a little longer tonight, but I didn't want you guys to miss, this, miss out on this because all of us go through shakings in our life. Some of it is sourced because of our own stupid old nature. Some of it is sourced from a world that is constantly bombarding us and causing us or forcing us or challenging us to compromise. Some of the shaking is sourced through the attacks of the enemy. Some of it is God allowing us to grow stronger but I want you to know this. Though you feel like it's getting hot, the Holy Spirit of God says, hey, I'm gonna pull you out. I'm gonna cool you down. And I wanna see you strong. I wanna see you be who I I created you to be. I know it's cliche, but it's true. There is no gain without a little bit of pain. It's true. There's no maturity without growing pains. It's true. The very thing that discourages you is the very thing that God can use to develop you. When you learn this, when you embrace this, you'll be unshakable. You'll be unshakable. And you'll live life like Daniel. As we close up our time, over the next few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna dig a little bit deeper Matter of fact, the next time I share, I'm gonna be talking about, hey, how do you handle it when you've got a boss who's unreasonable, who wants you to compromise? How do you handle that? And how can you thrive and experience promotion in that kind of environment? What do you do when authorities dismiss your beliefs and your values and begin to demean you and speak ill of you? How do you handle that? 
But tonight, before we even moved on to that, before we get into those practicals, I just wanted to pause and invite you to take the shaking that might be going on in your life right now and ask those three questions. Emma, would you pull those three questions up one more time? Ask those three questions. God, what is this problem going to teach me? God, where is this problem going to lead me? And God, how can this problem grow me? I submit all of this to you, O Lord God. I cast my cares on you because you care for me. And then God will give you peace tonight knowing that he's shaping you, he's directing you, and he's growing you. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your love as a father that says, I can do this. I can get through this. And that God, you are very near. You're not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able to do. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, around this room, men and women who are going through shakings in their life, Lord, I, begin to, I pray that you begin to reveal to them how they can grow through this, how they can learn from this. And oh Lord God, how they can be directed into your ways. Bring comfort and peace right now through the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Can you all say amen with me? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.